time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Well, I said I would uh, see you all next year. And boy, that just came right up, didn't it? <laughs> One year bleeds into another and bleeds into another. and So your calendar's working. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm looking forward to, I hate to say it, but I'm looking forward to getting back to a more normal life. You know, the holiday season, you know, everything leading up to it, and then the two weeks when you, you know, the Christmas and the and the New Year's holiday time, it's it just, there's so many different things going on, and, you know, you got all these different days off that it's like, ugh. It's kind of like having summer over, normal life comes back. And right, right. Kids, kids are back in school. And- you know, and of course, you know, I... I, I've always got work to do, so it's not like I was able to really take, you know, take a lot of time off. You know, I enjoyed Christmas Day off. I enjoyed, I actually, I spent a lot of time working yesterday. So, <laughs> you mean the radio station still goes? <sighs> yeah, actually, we've got a lot of plans for PCR for 2009. We'll be talking about that. In fact, uh, today uh, we actually it was actually up yesterday. We we've started something. We actually have the beginnings of a store at Pirate Christian Radio. You know, we've had some problems with our merchandising, and we're working that out right now. But um, a lot of a lot of you folks have emailed us, you know, asking how you can support PCR. Well, I'm what the better question is: How can we support you? Um, that's really what PCR is here for. The, the Pirate Christian Radio and Fighting for the Faith and all the programming that we have here is designed to be a resource to really serve you guys. And so. Um, Let's just say that we're looking for symbiotic relationships. <laughs> and so we want to make sure that uh, we're serving you and that uh, and, and in, in the meantime, that if you're getting value from what we're offering, that, you know, that it in turn pays pays our bills. You know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, making sure that this is something that that benefits both parties. I don't like these one way relationships. I just they don't work for me. And so uh, this this month we have uh, we have a, a January's featured electronic book, okay, that uh, that we've actually published. Pirate Christian Radio um, has published this book, and it's uh, it's a Christian classic that was written in the early 20th century. And let me tell you, in putting this together and rereading this book recently, uh, it, it couldn't be more relevant, you know, if it had been it had been written yesterday. It's that it's that up to speed. The only the only issue is is that uh, you know the uh, the author Jay Gresham Machen, you know, obviously he's using you know kind of more old English in his Bible verses than uh, than we may be used to. But the name of the book is Christianity and Liberalism. It was written by Jay Gresham Machen. It's and uh, we've we've republished it as an electronic book that you can purchase at piratechristianradio.com. Uh, Go to piratechristianradio.com. Click on the uh, on the uh, the the book cover Christianity and Liberalism and uh you know for a nominal fee you can purchase this book and let me tell you folks you need to read this okay if you're looking for a way how how do you fight the emergent church movement how do you fight modern day liberalism with the stuff that's going on with Doug Paget Brian McLaren Tony Jones and these guys who are rethinking Christianity and you know they're they're basically neoliberals but they're postmodern liberals rather than modern liberals but really there's there's not much difference um this book, uh, Christianity and Liberalism, is absolutely worth the read. You take the time to purchase it, download it, read it, and it will give you 
uh, a very good biblical defense against what these guys are doing. And so we're very excited to make this resource available for uh, for our listeners and at Pirate Christian Radio. And all you got to do is go to piratechristianradio.com. You can click on the Christianity and Liberalism cover that's on our homepage right now. And, you know, and... Uh, oh, how much is it? It's only $5.95. Under six bucks. It's under six bucks. Yeah. So, and if you act now, we, no, I can't. <laughs> but the price of lunch. The price of a lunch. Exactly. In fact, this is about the price of, uh, you know, of a McDonald's uh, combo meal, if you don't supersize it. Cheaper than two cups, <laughs> cups of coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> a cup, yeah, actually, yeah. My, my wife likes mochas. You know, it, my, oh man, my <laughs> don't get me started on this. The, Starbucks, my my wife and Starbucks, they have a great relationship. It's another symbiotic relationship, yeah, exactly. And she she orders uh, a venti. Uh, why bother? Is what I call it. And the venti why bother is a it's a decaffeinated low fat mocha with seven pumps of chocolate in it and no whipped cream. Oh wait, no. I think she puts whipped cream on it. She's, she, you know, it used to be a complete why bother, decaf, low fat. Who cares? You know, I think she, she. At times, I think my wife just really needs to open up a vein and uh, and just let uh, a chocolate drip go. <laughs> I'm telling you. So she loves her. She loves her mochas, and so you know, it's it's really. She's and, and, and I mean, she's when they see her coming in. I you know, I tell them. I you know, I I tell those folks at Starbucks. You know, you should just name it the Vente Why Bother. And when she comes in, you know exactly what that means. And, and you know, because when she goes to the whole rigmarole, I mean, she speaks a different language. You ever notice that about people who go to Starbucks? They completely speak a different language altogether. I still order medium instead of whatever it's called. Oh, what is it? Uh, they have a tall. Tall, yeah. And what they is- have a grande and they have a vente. And so, you know, you have the, the – the, I'll have a venti macchiato with – oh, who cares? I, I get a medium coffee. There you go. So now the other thing my wife does is that while she's also – when she's at Starbucks, she gets a, a, a tall glass of ice water. And, of course, I've named it the venti, uh, the venti aqua latte. So. But it is cheaper the, to get the book. Yes, it two, is. Yeah, exactly. Than two cups of coffee. <laughs> Oh, man. So 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 go to the website. Go to the website. Go to piratechristianradio.com and, and and purchase Christianity and Liberalism. Absolutely an imperative read for anybody who wants to know how do you defend the historic Christian faith against these new people who are coming in to try to redefine, rethink, reimagine and and what what did we come up with? Well the well, the emergent church. I'm I'm glad they're actually finally you know, coming clean as to what they are, they're they're outright attacking sola scriptura now. Um, you know, and the sufficiency of scripture. They, you know, Brian McLaren is on the record uh, completely against the doctrine of hell, um, the the doctrine of Christ coming back in judgment to judge both the living and the dead. He's he does not confirm or uh, confess the substitutionary nature of Christ's atonement on the cross, and you know, and so you know, and but what is he in favor of? You know, he he. He's going to have this – he has this Hegelian, almost communistic, socialistic solution. He wants to you know, stop the global suicide machine. Well, what is he really? He's, he's just a neoliberal. That's really what he is. And he's somewhere to the left of John Shelby Spong. And you know, how – as you, as a Christian, what is your answer? How do, you, how do you biblically defend Christianity against these ideas? And by the way, if you think that you, that you don't have a, a dog in this fight, you are so wrong. So wrong, okay? If you are a Christian 
and you are still breathing and capable of speaking and reading your Bible, um, you're a soldier. You know, welcome to the war. <laughs> and so what we're going to what, what we hope to do in 2009 for Pirate Christian Radio really as a whole is to turn Pirate Christian Radio into a place uh, where people can get outfitted, equipped and get the education and the resources that they need in order to educatedly communicate and defend the historic Christian faith and its essentials. And it's uh, and so in that sense, uh, th- there'll be some Lutheran resources online, but it's going to be a little bit more um, really focusing on what do we as all, uh, different denominational Christians have in common with the essentials of the Christian faith and you know, really big, you know, give you the resources that you can do use to, uh, you know, to know what you believe, why you believe it, communicate it and defend it against what's going on in, in current apostate America. You know, the, the show we did uh, on the 31st, January 31st, our last 2008 show, that thing has been making the rounds on the Internet. We've we've had a huge listening audience online of people who, you know, who, you know, have picked up and linked to that uh particular radio program why because i think you know when you take two hours and you go through all the low lights of 2008 it just it really gives you a a good picture of just how far off the rails things are in fact i got a comment from uh one gentleman uh, let me pull this up hang on a second here i'm doing this a little ad hoc um i got a, a, a comment from one gentleman from australia of all places and, um, you know, because we focused on really the sad state of, of affairs in Christianity in America. But here's what he writes. He says, Chris, it's not just the apostate Christian church in America. This is a global apostasy. OK, he says you fellas need to look beyond your borders. I live in Australia and we have exactly the same problems here. And we take pride at importing that American garbage in designer packages. Yeah, see, it, it used to be America was the uh, was where the world's missionaries came from. Now we need to send missionaries to America. <laughs> you know, if it's got an American label on it, you might want to just avoid it altogether, those of you listening outside of the United States. He says, I also follow developments in the UK, South Africa, and exactly the same issues are there as well. And I hear that at, in the last five years or so, the prosperity gospel has made significant inroads in continental Africa too. And they've been jumping on the bandwagon. You would think the prosperity me- message would be offensive to famine-ravaged uh, famine Africans, but it's not. I know that's one of the weird things about it. It's 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 growing like a weed there. Well, it's like a Ponzi scheme that offers you false hope. He says he says the bride has been fooling around for some time now. Talking about the bride of Christ. And he says, maybe in the early years she used to sneak out of the bedroom at night, but nowadays she flirts openly in the groom's presence with no shame. And the groom is too straight and boring for her, and she's looking for thrills in one-night stands. Yep, absolutely. Guy wrote that. His his handle is non-denominational skeptic, and he's from Australia. And I, uh, to which I basically have to say, yeah, we've got a problem. So here's the deal: what can we do with the current state of affairs in Christianity now across the world, not just in America, but in the UK, Australia, basically the Western nations? You know, at this point, and in and in Africa, where the prosperity gospel has really taken root. Well, we can curse the darkness. That's one of our options. Shake our fist at it and go, oh, I hate you, darkness. (laughs) (laughs) It'll make me feel better, right? (laughs) Or what do we do? We do what Christ said, go and make disciples, right? So understand, Pirate Christian Radio is not a church. We're not a church. But we, you know, we have Christian programming here that's Christ-centered. 
cross-focused and, and is educated in the sense that it can point you to the resources that you need to understand why you believe what you believe and how to defend it in today's you know, current apostate conditions. So what we really want to do is build on the successes that we had in launching Pirate Christian Radio in 2008 and really turn PCR into a clearinghouse, a place where you can come to get the information that you need to know what it is you believe, why you believe it, and and how to defend Christianity in line of that. And, and, and our first First book. First book. Christianity, Christianity and Liberalism. Liberalism. Absolutely. And, you know, they can read it while they're getting their coffee. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, you can read it while you're getting your coffee. Um, you know, the, the, this is going to sound really silly, but um, while I was uh, while I was reading it after we laid it out, I read large portions of it on my i on my iPhone. I actually uploaded it onto my iPhone, and it was it was pretty nice reading it on my iPhone. It's that, the, the iPhone's not a little bad uh, book reader. I mean, you got uh, Amazon; they have that Kindle uh, thing that they sell, which I've seen when I traveled in the airports. I see several people using those things. I, I'm not all that favorable towards the Kindle. I mean, I just all, last thing I need is another piece of equipment, another piece of electronic gizmos. But um, I read it on my iPhone. About half of it, it was great. <laughs> How weird is that? So uh, the only thing that the only downside is is that if you read it on your iPhone, you can't highlight it. And the uh, we've put it into an Adobe Acrobat format. So if you have Adobe Acrobat Reader, um, or if you have the one of the pro versions of Acrobat, you can actually highlight it and make notes and, and comments on it. So like Distiller, exactly. Okay. Now another thing we're going to be coming out with shortly. Um, it's a little bit of work, is uh, uh, Graebner's uh, uh, Doctrinal Theology. This is a great work from the late uh, 19th century, and uh, we're going to make that available in the Logos, uh, uh, as a Logos file that you can use if you uh, have a Logos Bible system in Accordance, if you have a Macintosh version of Accordance, as well as, uh, as well as a PDF version that you can download where all of the scripture references are hot links to an online Bible program. So that if you don't have if you don't have a, a computerized Bible, uh, when you click on the links, it'll actually take you to the verses. So, um, really looking forward to getting that out. That that'll probably be our February book. So, and we're working with uh, several different publishers also to be able to get you guys some good resources out there. Really, again, we want to become a clearinghouse for really the basics. Basic doctrines of Christianity, good systematic theology, good doctrinal theology, as well as a good place for uh, getting information on Christian apologetics. We're actually going to be adding a section to our website, which will be for subscribers only. So it'll be a, based on a monthly subscription that'll have uh, a library in there as resources and other things like that, as well as a blog and some of the things, you know. So, um, and, and those people who uh, subscribe to uh, to our website on a monthly basis, they're going to get like deep discounts on all of the eBooks that we're going to be putting on, uh, online. So, just want to let you guys what's, know what's coming for Pirate Christian Radio in 2009, and uh, and you know understand why why do we exist? We we kind of started off as a protest station, <laughs> if you can call it that. <laughs> well, I mean, people say, "Oh, Pirate Christian Radio." Well, the, how can Christians use such terminology? Pirates kill people. They steal things. They they ravage women. You know things like that. And. Uh, uh, folks, um, pirate Christian radio, pi it, pirate radio is a is a term that refers to radio stations that broadcast kind of in a sense illegal or illegally or outside of the system. 
And so, yeah, we're a protest station, but you know what? We we're not we're not we don't exist to curse the darkness. Ultimately, um, as Christians, our job is to do what Christ has called us to do, and that's go and make disciples. And we're not going to turn things around in this country or in the world until we get back to preaching Christ and Him crucified and making disciples and getting people into God's Word. And so, if we don't set the if we don't actually engage in that ourselves, then all we're doing is 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 entertaining people at the expense of the truth, you know, who cares about entertaining? You know, we're entertaining, but I mean, ultimately that's not what we're here for. Also, another thing we're going to be offering, uh, probably, uh, I'm hoping by March is what we're, we're going to call a pirate Christian radio university. We're actually going to have online courses in the basics of Christianity and apologetics that you'll be able to attend via webinar. So, um, and there'll actually be assigned books, assigned readings, and it's not going to be accredited, but it's going to be for the layman so that you guys can learn, you know, in a more organized format, how to learn how to defend your faith, you know, rather than kind of getting it piecemeal from all of the different, uh, from all of our different programs out there, even fighting for the faith. You know, we do a little bit of email, we do a little bit of news, we do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. This will be a more condensed and organized, uh, uh, forum for you guys to be able to really get the essentials of the Christian faith and in such a way that you can be able to teach others. Okay. We're going to teach you so that you can teach others because that's what we need to do. And like I said, uh, if you don't think you got a dog in this fight, you're wrong. You are a soldier. In fact, we're going to be listening today. I was uh, having one of those nostalgic moments and, uh, I I got I, I kind of cut my teeth in theology and apologetics under the radio ministry of Dr. Walter Martin. And we're going to go back today, and we're going to listen to a little Walter Martin, and we're, because it's it's as relevant today as it was when he did it. It's called the Baptism of Boldness. <laughs> you guys are going to love it. If, you, if you've never heard Walter Martin, you're in for a treat. And if you've heard Walter Martin, uh, you know it'll be a good flash uh, flash of the past. Anyway, so uh, that's what's going on. Go on to piratechristianradio.com and purchase. Uh, Christianity and Liberalism by J. Gresham Machen, an absolute must read. And uh, and hopefully we may even be able to make it available as an audio uh, book in a couple of months. So that's one of the things we're working on. Because why? Well, we have a radio station, you know, we have microphones. Let's let's make some audio books so the people can listen to them in your car. You know, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is, is that these older books that are really good theologically, in the, many times you're not going to find them available in audiobook because there's just not a big demand for them. Well, we're going to try to make the demand. We're going to make the case that these are books that you should be reading and you should be listening to. You should be digesting and, and taking in the wisdom of the ages from people who've gone before us. And in this case, in this fight against the emergent church, J. Gretchen Machen, you know, set the tone and he, and what he did, you know, and how he fought it is the same way we need to fight these emergent guys. All right, we're going to do a little news here. Atheists. File suit to block inaugural prayer. <laughs> From Daniel Burke of the Religion News Service. I saw this on Christianity Today. Led by a California atheist who has tried to remove the phrase under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. A group of atheists filed suit in federal court on Tuesday, December 30th to block prayers and mentions of God at President-elect Barack Obama's inauguration on January 20th. <sighs> Good night. Okay, Michael Newdow joined in his complaint by 11 atheists and humanist groups filed similar unsuccessful suits in 2001 and 2005 when President Bush was sworn in. 
He has also tried to remove the reference to God in the Pledge of Allegiance, arguing that it con constitutes an illegal government endorsement of religion. The suit names Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts, who will swear in the new president, as well as California megachurch pastor Rick Warren and the Reverend Joseph Lowry, who will deliver the invocation and, and, and benediction, respectively, and other inauguration planners. By adding the words, so help me God, to the oath of office, as Supreme Court chief justice and presidents have done since at least 1933, Roberts would infuse the inaugural ceremony with purely religious dogma. Dogma? It, you know, so help me God? Basically asking God for help to uphold the oath that you've taken for that office is, is dogma? You know, we live in a, in, a, in a time when words just don't mean anything anymore. They can mean whatever it is you want them to mean. You, you ever see the movie The Princess Bride? Oh, yes. Okay, inconceivable. Inconceivable, right? And what's that line that's later you know, that Inigo says, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but asking God for help does not constitute religious dogma. Okay, so, you know, these atheists need to spend a little bit of time actually with a dictionary, understanding what words mean. Um, all right, so here we go. Uh, the atheists also object that the place of the Bible in the ceremony, Obama has asked for a copy used by Abraham Lincoln in 1861, and the delivery of opening and closing prayers. The atheists are not suing Obama, however, because he, like all other individuals, has free exercise rights. So, but Obama has them, but... Rick Warren doesn't? <sighs> the suit says, referring to the Constitution's protection of religious expression, the problem would come if Roberts prompts Obama to recite the phrase according to the atheists. The use of sectarian prayer and religious phrases during the inauguration not only violates a clear reading of the First Amendment, it serves as a justification for the breach of church and state separation in other areas, which God is being invoked, by the way. Okay, so Rick Warren, you know, people are saying, well, is he going to uh, say in Jesus' name? And what's Rick Warren's answer as he crafts his prayer for the inauguration? It, uh, the invocation is, is that he says, well, I'm going to pray the only way that I as a Christian can pray. <sighs> but when Obama invokes God, which God? You know, that's the thing. We look, at our, look at our money. It says, in God we trust. My question is, which God? Anyone have any idea? I mean, why do, why should we assume it's the Christian God? <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So um, let's see. Go, coming back here. Um, the use of sectarian prayer and religious uh, phrases during an, the inauguration not only violates the clear reading of the First Amendment, it serves as justification for the breach of church-state separation in other areas, said Bob Ritter, staff attorney for the uh, a Pagnani a Humanist Legal Center, the legal arm of the American Humanist Association. Warren's inclusion in the ceremony has also been criticized by liberals, particularly gay rights groups, who object to the vocal denunciations of same-sex marriage. In a recent uh, video sent to members of Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, Warren fired back at his critics, accusing them of being Christ, uh, of Christophobia and hate speech, according to the Associated Baptist Press. Some people feel today that if you disagree with them, then that's hate speech, said Warren. If you disagree with them, you either hate them or you're afraid of them. I'm neither afraid of gays nor do I hate them. In fact, I love them, but I do disagree with some of their beliefs. Yeah, that's, you know, see, that's the problem with political correctness is that, you know, any, any dogmatic stance, any strong opinion that comes down and says that somebody, that what somebody's doing is sinful, that what somebody's doing is wrong, that that somehow constitutes hate speech. 
okay why does you if i why do you have to assume why would you assume that if i told you you were doing something wrong or that could hurt you that that's hateful right i mean it's a fair question i mean if you were driving down the road heading down the highway on a road where i knew the bridge was out and you know and i yelled at you and said stop turn around you're going the wrong way you're going to die Okay, and the person says, I don't believe you. No, 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 really, you're going, you're you're doing something wrong. Stop. Would they then turn around and sue me for hate speech as they flew off the cliff? (laughs) You you understand what I'm saying? Okay, folks, um, political correctness, it's time for us to say enough. Okay, enough. Stop. Okay, it's not hateful to have an opinion regarding what the morality of something. Okay, and to defend it passionately. That's not hate, okay? Hate is when you say that uh, you know that that some particular group that uh, they're lower than human life, that they're substandard, that and that uh, you're justified in killing and murdering them because they're not even human anyway. That would be like hate, right? You know, but uh, saying that uh, homosexuality is a sin—that's not hate. That's just literally saying that's what God's word says. And if you don't like it, tough, okay? You know, because God's word nails me to the wall, too, as a sinner, by the way. Anyway, so there we go. Um, That's, you know, this whole Rick Warren inauguration invocation thing is just, I don't think anyone's happy about it. (laughs) I mean, conservative Christians, liberals that are not happy about it. The atheists are all up in arms about it. And you know what I think is going to happen? Rick Warren's going to land on on both feet and he's going to become the winner again. That's, uh, That's just my particular thoughts about what's going to happen there not very hopeful (laughs) but uh all right moving along um tell you what we're going to take our first break and when we come back we're going to uh we're going to listen to uh folks if you're living in hawaii i got to warn you now um you've got a hurricane heading your way a spiritual hurricane is coming to hawaii in february Patricia King from extreme prophetic and joshua mills claim that there's supposed to be some great outpouring of of the glory in in Hawaii and based upon what these people are up to I mean remember they 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 had a behind the scenes role for the whole Florida outpouring I'm wondering if Hawaii isn't going to be the next big you know outpouring place you know and uh, they're planning on it right now so folks if you live in Hawaii get ready you could be ground zero for the next big wave of heresy just want to let you know that but uh, we'll talk about that when we come back from the break um, so if you would like to uh, email me regarding anything you've heard so far, again, at talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, we will be right back. Reaching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
Fighting for the Faith is underwritten in part by LifeLock. Did you know that identity theft is a $50 billion a year business? And the severe downturn in the economy is providing identity thieves with even more incentives to hijack your identity and destroy your good name. But LifeLock provides a proactive identity theft service specializing in the prevention of identity theft rather than the reporting of it. LifeLock was founded in 2005 and is already considered the industry leader in identity theft prevention. In fact, LifeLock CEO Todd Davis is so confident in LifeLock's ability to protect your good name and stop identity thieves dead in their tracks that he freely shares his social security number on television, radio, and the Internet. Furthermore, LifeLock guarantees its services up to $1 million. For more information on LifeLock, visit FightingForTheFaith.com and click on the LifeLock logo on our homepage. I like that little guitar line. Every time I hear it, it's still very... You know, I, I, we need some lyrics for that song. Of course, I don't know how to write lyrics. <laughs> you would think in all the nerdy things that I could do, that, that uh, writing lyrics would be something that I could you know, say that I could do. No, not at all. No, when it comes to music, there isn't an artistic bone in my body anymore. Although when I was a kid, I, I used to think of myself as a rock star. <laughs> I played electric guitar, but not very well. Because <sighs> we nerds don't necessarily approach it that way. Okay, real quick, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Christ. Warning, this program, because we uh, we do the hard work of actually taking what people say, major spiritual leaders, and, and comparing them to the Word of God, this is a show that could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church. Be warned. Be warned. Why? Because you may not be being fed God's Word, and you're not even knowing it. You spend any time listening to this program... Uh, we spend a lot of time in God's Word, and as a result of it, uh, you'll begin to see light from darkness, and you'll be able to. Everything will no longer be gray to you; it'll be, start becoming black and white and clear. And as a result of it, you might end up finding yourself having to find another church. Just be warned. I want to tell you that ahead of time because that's just the fair thing to do. Um, I've received plenty of emails over the past uh, months of people who, after listening to this show, have ended up leaving their church. And the, the question that comes up is, what happens? You know, what, what What should I do? Folks, find a church that preaches Christ and him crucified, preaches the gospel to believers and unbelievers, and where Christ is preached from the center of, uh, as the center of, of all of scripture, okay? And your pastor teaches sound doctrine, okay? Why? Because you need it. You need to hear about the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because you sin on a daily basis, just like I do. You need the comforting, reassuring words that Christ has died for your sins. Or as Roman 8, Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. You need to hear those words over and over and over again because Satan would want you to believe that you've out God, that there's no way that God can forgive you for that particular sin, that at this point you're just waiting to face God's judgment, and he's going to throw your carcass into hell. No way, Jose. Christ has a different word to say to you, and that, that word is forgiven. 
He has died for every one of your sins, from the sin that you, the, the, of Adam, which was held against you from the moment you were conceived, to the sin, the last sin that you commit moments before you take your last breath. You are completely, 100% forgiven and redeemed in Jesus Christ. And our passion is to proclaim and exalt that gospel, that good news, not this other stuff that's being bandied about, you know, by churches that follow after the latest fads or try to be relevant and cool and hip and try to find the spiritual meaning in dancing with the stars. I wish I was making that up. <laughs> I'm not. So, uh, so if you find yourself at a crossroads where you are you finding yourself no longer able to sit under a pastor who's not preaching the scripture, who's not preaching Christ, who's not giving you the gospel, then that's, that's, uh, that's to be expected. But what do you do in a situation like that? Find a good, humble pastor. And I don't care if that pastor is Baptist, a Presbyterian, Lutheran, or there's even some good, uh, there's even some good Episcopalian guys out there. You know, I would much rather have you sit under uh, a pastor who is being faithful to the gospel and to the word of God than than any of these other guys, which you know means that uh, <sighs> yeah, that you may not become a Lutheran, but and I'll, and I'll get over that. <laughs> I'll, 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 you know, because uh, what happened with me when I went through this, I, I found myself becoming a Lutheran, and and now I'm completely one hundred percent saying that uh, the Lutheran confessions absolutely accurately uh, give us an understanding of the Word of God. But the thing is, is that, you know, I, I, I don't know if you all read Modern Reformation. Uh, uh, Mike Horton a couple months ago in Modern Reformation uh, was talking about C.S. Lewis's example of, uh, of uh, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to upset people if I use this example, but uh, C.S. Lewis taught at Oxford, and I, I've never been to Oxford. Never, in fact, I've never been to Great Britain. Can you believe that? Anyway, apparently in the houses, you know, the college houses that the, the, they have at Oxford and in the English system, there's different, you know, they, they all, all these different dormitories, so to speak, or campus housing, you know, there's different houses that you can be a part of. And they're kind of like fraternities and sororities, and they all have a, a common meeting place in, 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 in the hallways. But you have to live in the room, and you ha and then you, you mingle in the hallways is, is the example. I guess uh, it's kind of similar to uh, what you would hear in the uh, Harry Potter books. You've got you know, the, the Gryffindor and the, and the Slytherin, and what's the other ones? The Puffle, Huffle, Huff and Puffs. Huff and puffs and, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, see, that's, uh, that's a metaphor that could upset some people. Okay, oh, no, because, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah, okay, well, I'm just trying to give – it's not about Harry Potter. It's this idea that you have to live in a house, and then you share ideas and mingle and, and converse out in the hallways or in the Great Hall. So uh, Lewis had a great point there. You know, you got to live somewhere. And, you know, so you live in your denomination. But get out and, and, and converse with other people out in the hallway. And I thought it was a good example. It's, it, it's, in, uh, it's uh, in Modern Reformation. I don't know if it was this, the last issue or the issue before that, but worth looking into. Maybe I should dig it up and find a link to it, huh? That, <laughs> because here I've, I've referenced it. You know. Anyway, so, so what does that mean? Find a church. And, and believe me when I tell you that means you might have to end up going to a small church or you might have to drive away. Now, and, now I've received emails from people who they live in a small town and the, the closest good pastor is three hours away. Okay. Now, in a situation like that, I have a radical idea. Okay. 
in a situation like that, here's the radical idea. If you're a family, you, you know, and, and, uh, and you're the, you're the father, you're the, the head of the household, um, consider your house to be a church and you're the pastor. And so at that point, it's your job to get into God's word and to bring God's word and, uh, and the sacraments and the gospel forward for your family in a situation like that. Plant a church. Get get to get to teaching, get to preaching. And if you need resources online, you know, find good some great places where you can get some good sermons. And that that's like a stopgap uh, measure at that point. But also you need some accountability. So let let's let a good pastor know what you're doing. Get a hold of somebody like Ron Hodel at uh, Faith Lutheran Church in uh, Capistrano Beach or the Reverend Bill Swirla at uh, Holy Trinity in Hacienda Heights and let them know your situation. And, and, uh, and I believe me when I tell you, these, these are men who can help you because they've, they've, they've answered questions like this before for people, but there are no easy solutions, uh, for people nowadays because so many churches are, have gone the way of trying to be purpose driven and, and relevant and stuff like that. And they've chucked the real gospel. So, uh, but you can't continue to sit under those, those types of teachers. And if they can't be turned and believe me, when I tell you, most of them won't be, um, you can't stay. There's no point in doing that. Shake the dust off your feet and go find a place where you can get fed. (laughs) So anyway, all right. Uh, for those of you living in Hawaii, I want to issue a a hurricane warning. Um, this is a heretical hurricane that's going to be coming your way. Um, courtesy of Extreme Prophetic and uh, Joshua Mills and Patricia King. Um, <laughs> uh, hang on to your wallets because uh, that's what they're going to go for. But uh, here we go. This is uh, this is Patricia King and Joshua Mills talking about the supposedly com- big uh, glory outpouring that's going to happen in uh, Hawaii. And uh, so we're issuing we're issuing a, a heretical hurricane warning right now. Uh, the hurricane will hit sometime in February. Be warned, this could, you know, maybe, just maybe, this could turn into one of those big uh, God TV, Todd Bentley type things. Uh, So here we go. I was recently in Hawaii with Joshua Mills doing um, a conference on the glory. And wow, I, I, I got so touched by the Lord while I was there, realizing that Hawaii is going to be receiving a visitation of waves of the glory. Really? Uh, are there are there some kind of spiritual meteorologists out there that uh, that you can forecast these things? Well, she said it. Apparently, you know, Hawaii, you're going to receive waves of glory. And I don't know. I've never. They're they're nowhere in scripture. But you know, be warned uh, when she talks about waves of glory. Uh, usually, that means something that's going to be a big television thing, like the Florida outpouring. And what will it be? A big money maker. And what a better what can you think of a better place for Patricia King to suffer for what it is that she believes in in Hawaii? You know, a little paradise on earth. That's not that's not a bad place to uh to have a, a big outpouring, right? I'd say so, yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should move PCR to Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> okay. John. <sighs> I was really excited for them. And I fell in love with the Hawaiian people. They're so warm and hospitable and loving and oh my gosh and I mean Hawaii itself is paradise on earth it's like I love it in fact my husband and I and our children lived in Hawaii a number of years ago when we were with Youth with a Mission we did a DTS back in 1980 so that's like 28 years ago but um, 
you know, we really had a good time there and spent uh, three months on the Big Island and four months on Oahu. And um, so I haven't actually been back for 15 years. We went back a few years later, and then I haven't been there for 15 years. But I was really touched by the Lord, and I really feel like we're supposed to go there and do a glory school and a school of extreme prophetic. So we're going to be doing that in 2009. In fact, if any of you want to join me at the end of February... You know, I wonder if she's going to have... uh a mortuary outreach there in Hawaii. And uh, if she'll, if, as part of the Extreme Prophetic Glory School, if they'll give tips on how to, how to fight werewolves. <sighs> 2009, I'm going to be in Hawaii doing a glory school. And it's going to be great. And then we haven't set the dates yet for a school of Extreme Prophetic, but I'd really like to do that as well. But it's just ripe for the glory. And, and I could just... What does, that, what does that mean? It's ripe for the glory. What is she talking about? What about the gospel? What about Christ? What about repentance and the forgiveness of sins? What <clears throat> anyway? See that that um, God's presence was there and and going to be releasing the prophetic move and 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 stuff like that. But Joshua shared that he had had a vision while he was there a time before. Yeah, this is Joshua Mills. Who last week we 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 played him talking about his uh, spiritual transportation to China. Yeah, not exactly sure why he was there, because about the only thing he could do in China was to speak in tongues, but... <sighs> in a dream, and when he woke up from the dream, it's about this, um, the, uh, the uh, unity uh, oil and the glory of the unity. Uh, he was having a dream about it, which he's going to share with you in a few moments. But when he got up from the dream, oil started flowing from his hands. And I uh, talked to... Really? Wow, he might want to get a doctor to look into that. <laughs> maybe it was sweat maybe he's got one of those you know like one of those sweat glands that just goes you know so how do we know he's really anointed from god well because oil pours from his hands can you say parlor trick okay not hard to do all you need is a a you know a shirt with long sleeves or like a really nice coat and you know you just run a little little tube down your arm and you know down to just above where the, the sleeve does its thing and then you know and then you can get a little pump that goes under your armpit right <sighs> i can't believe the gullibility of people this extreme prophetic their their goal is to raise a million bucks one yeah hey wow that's neat john john actually just pulled his finger off wow that's amazing wow i didn't know you were magical and they said it would never get me anywhere. <laughs> got me this far. Oh man! So extreme prophetic wants to wants to raise a million bucks this year, and I, you know, and here's the, here's the sad thing. I I have no doubt they're going to do it because there's a bunch of people who, rather than than abiding in Christ, seeking Christ, hearing the gospel, hearing about the repentance and the forgiveness of sins, hearing about how Christ has saved them. They're not interested in that. Now that's sissy baby stuff. They want the glory for themselves because, you know, it's like it's like you can plug it. it, it, We know what it's like. Take the the cover off of the 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 plug, the outlet in the wall, and then just stick your finger into the socket. They want they want to just plug directly into God, and they think that they can do that. It's like buying indulgences. Similar, yeah. You know, I'm going to get myself into heaven by this way. Yeah. I can, I can write a check. <laughs> and I always come back to, really, how do you know? How do you know that this is from God? I mean, I mean, doctrinally, there's no reason why I should believe this is from God at all, right? 
But what again? What do I know? Here we go. Let's continue with Patricia King. Um, the couple that actually saw the oil after it because it filled up a quarter of a cup. It was just coming out of his hands. We've seen that with Joshua before. But it was so neat that he had this prophetic dream about Hawaii. The oil started flowing out of his hands. And uh, then, you know, he woke up and there it was, tangible oil in this uh, cup that they were able to collect off of his hands. So here he is now. Uh, that, did that ever happen to the Apostle Paul? Oil flowing from his hands? Give me oil in my hands. Keep it burning, burning, burning. <laughs> Give me oil in my hands, I pray. <laughs> I shouldn't be singing. <sighs> but join me in Hawaii. No, don't. Really, please don't. We're issuing a heretical hurricane warning for Hawaii. Be warned. Uh, these people are coming through. And what's at stake? Your wallet. Next year for the Glory School, the end of February. And pray for Hawaii because this is Hawaii's hour of visitation. And I know that God's eye is upon the islands and great things are going to happen. And so, and if you're watching it. It's Hawaii's time of visitation. And believe me, this would be like the destroyer God. Uh, was it Shiva? Yeah. And you're from Hawaii? God bless you. And, you know... Uh, maybe you're watching and you'd like a prophetic word that you're to go ye to Hawaii. You know, well, there you go. If you know, you... <laughs> so if you were expecting a prophetic word, there you go. There it is. Go to Hawaii. Feeling quickened by the Lord, take it. In fact, you know, maybe some of you are being called to beach ministry. You stay on the beach until everybody's saved. <laughs> Just kidding, but it is a wonderful place to minister. It is a true paradise. God bless you. And here's Joshua now. It was neat because I saw the oil come out of the the bowls as they're being turned. And there was different boxes that they were pouring it into. And the boxes were brightly colored, like some were orange, some were red, some were green, some were blue, some were yellow. This is the same kid who told us this story about, you know, the drug lord in the Arctic, you know. And, and uh, you know, the, the big, the, the miracle feathers that flowed, you know, that came out of the sky in the Arctic. And his trip in the spirit to uh, China. Uh, now, apparently, he's had a vision of bowls and, and oil, and, and they're all different multi... <sighs> they're all the bright um, colors. And I knew by my spirit that it was churches. Even though it didn't look like a church, it just looked like a box. There was people inside of these boxes, like people in boxes. And some were like this. There'd be boxes full of people like this. How is this even Christian? I mean, why is he actually talking about this dream or vision or thing he made up? Um, as if it's somehow uh, from the word of – it's from God directly, and, and it's really – the it's equivalent to the word of God, right? I mean, these guys talk about their dreams and visions as if they're the word of God. They actually, you know, people in this, this crowd actually exegete their dreams and visions as if it's the word of God. Then there'd be boxes of people like this just in praise and worship, just glorifying God. That, in case you couldn't see that, that was elbows up, hands up high. <laughs> and lifting up the name of Jesus. <laughs> and I saw the, the, the angels, they weren't looking just to go to the places that were like this. Uh-huh. Even the people yeah. that, that were like this, they were pouring out really? oil on the people. Wow. And the, the box would be, the people who were kind of resisting, the box would be filled about a quarter full. Then the angel would go to the next place and, and pour it down. And if the people were praising, then it would go up past the corner. It would fill up the entire entire box until it's almost like the only way I can explain it, It's like the box melted into the oil and the people melted into the oil. Wow. So, so this oil was destroying people. 
they were melting. That must have been frightening to see. Angels are frightening. Yeah. yeah. So we we got angels and churches and people melting into oil. I'm melting. I'm melting. <laughs> and the color, whatever color box it was, suddenly it was like that flow of the color was in the the oil would begin swirling, and then they would they would go to the next place, the next place, and the places who had resisted, um, they would actually go back and do it again. And each time it was like the people would open up a little bit more. Until they were like this. Until they had elbows up, hands up high. Like a Christian. And then, um, and, and then as soon as they were like that, it would fill the box and it would flow. And so in each pocket, it would, they would go around and do this with the oil over and over and over and over again. Until every single box had been broken and it was just flowing with the oil. And it looked like, you know, motor oil in a driveway. Yeah. Where it's like it's swirling with rainbow colors, yeah. that's what it started to look like. Wow! And then in this in this pocket, as it would begin to swirl like this, it would go down into the earth, and then it's like you could see all this sin that was in the area, like um, drug uh, dealing and and people doing drugs and prostitution and violence. I just knew that all this kind of black, dark kind of sin stuff was going on, and you would see this, and then all of a sudden the oil just like shot through the ground. Really? But it would only. Sh- yeah, you know, this reminds me of a three-year-old. You know, I've had kids, and when my kids were like three or four, they would tell these really tall tales, right? You know, you know, come on, tell me a story, or they would want me to tell them a story. You know, right? Tell me more, Dad. Does, do you feel like he's just making this up? You know, this is complete tomfoolery here, and this is supposedly an adult. <sighs> Shoot up through after all of the the boxes had been broken down and went down together into the mm-hmm. earth. And then it's like it shot up as a gusher, and it began knocking out all this sin. No way. Wow. Cool, man. Where's my baby Jesus? I need to take a toke off of that. <laughs> and it happened pocket by pocket or, or like little cluster by cluster all over Oahu. And then I, it was like I was taken out, and I saw all these eight. Yeah, warning. See, that's, see, that's it. That, it's a Hawaii-specific vision that he's having about people being melted. Folks, hurricane warning. We're, we're issuing that for Hawaii right now. You know, if you're living in Hawaii, Honolulu, you know, or Oahu, be warned. End of February, it's going to be a heretical hurricane blowing through. And I'm telling you, I, I, can, I can see huge amounts of money being sucked out of people's wallets. I can just see it right now. We're talking financial destruction like you wouldn't believe. Followed by eternal damnation. But that's a different story. Islands. Of Hawaii and it happening on every island. Isn't that amazing? No. I woke up from the dream and oil was flowing from my hands. Do <laughs> <laughs> you expect me to believe that for a second? You know, uh, Josh, would you allow us to actually perform a medical examination on you while it was happening? I'd like to, you know, we'd actually like to uh, have this oil flowing from your hands under controlled circumstances where we can scientifically verify it. <clears throat> and I got up and actually I tried to look at the clock because I wanted to know what time it was. I thought maybe there was prophetic significance about that because when this had happened the last time, it was at 2.35 in the morning. And I couldn't find the clock. I didn't even know where the clock was, and there was no light like behind when I eventually found there's no light coming out of the clock. So um, I went and I let the oil flow probably, I don't know, maybe 45 maybe the Maybe the oil from his hands wiped his clock out. You know, electronics are sensitive to oil. I don't know if you knew that. It's maybe an hour it happened, and then I looked at the clock. It was about 6 o'clock. 
So it probably happened around five, and I don't know what what excuse me what that means. Um, <laughs> nothing. It means nothing. <sighs> it was amazing. And then uh, the oil flowed so much that there was about a quarter of a cup full of oil. You know, I detect that there's something seriously flowing here, but it's not oil. Oh, man. How is it that anybody falls for this stuff? I, I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, I, I think of the Catholic Church, and they've got the, all of these people who believe in these Marian apparitions, you know, and they go out into the desert and they look up into the sun because they think that they can see the Virgin Mary if they do that. You know, this is pretty much... Um, the Protestant are these guys even Protestant? I don't know what they are, but this is you know I guess they technically they're this is the non-Catholic version of of that, okay? And you know I guess if you're gonna tell a lie, make it a big one. You know, just make, <laughs> go for it and and you know make it make it make it a big 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 lie. And you know. The, I mean, I would fall out of my chair if I actually ever heard these people for real uh, preach God's word correctly. I mean, I I don't know what I would do, you know. Ay, 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 ay. Man, I tell you, it's just absolutely frustrating, frustrating, frustrating that anyone would take these people seriously. And, of course, you got Patricia King. She has all of her prophecies for for 2009. (laughs) Oh, man. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take our second break right now. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, when we come back, we're going to have a little blast to the past. And now, Walter Martin, he's not a Lutheran. I'll, I, I'll say that. But, you know, he he was definitely instrumental in helping to uh, help basically straighten me out in, you know, in all the doctrinal confusion I had when I was a young man. And, um, in fact, he, it was under his advice that I went to Concordia, sorry, Christ College, Irvine. It became Con U when I was there. And, uh, and so I owe him a little bit of a debt of gratitude, you know, for the work that, uh, that God did through him. And we're going to listen to his, uh, speech from long ago called The Baptism of Boldness. And I think it's appropriate to start 2009 off just by going back to that, that lesson, even though, it, you know, there's certain things as a Lutheran I'd listen to and go, mm, not, not too thrilled with that but what i want what i want you to hear though is is walter martin talking about the fact that we are all in the army we are all soldiers in this fight and um and you know these are times when call that that call for us to be loving in a very in a way that's politically incorrect but it's loving nonetheless and so when we get back we're going to listen to walter martin's the baptism of boldness and a little blast to the past and, uh, and you know, that'll be, that'll be our show. So, uh, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard for, uh, right now, in fact, if you have any insight, um, regarding this upcoming, um, hurricane that's going to hit, uh, the islands of Hawaii heretically, uh, email me, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, and we will be right back. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. 
Sissy, brainsy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. My local Christian bookstore just sells Jesus schlock. Where can I find good material? We at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while uniquely maintaining a relentless focus on the gospel. We believe that these forgotten doctrines and their scriptural emphases can not only enrich individual Christians and revive the church, but also address the deepest needs of our culture. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn radio program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, available exclusively at NewReformationPress.com, or the big-picture audio presentation Bible in an Hour by Pastor Wade Butler. Learn the center and scope of redemptive history and scripture in just one hour. And of course, be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork as well. NewReformationPress.com. Finally, Reformation Theology Made Accessible. All right, we're back. And you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. We've issued a uh, hurricane warning for those of you living in Hawaii. Heretical hurricane coming your way in February, courtesy of Patricia King and Joshua Mills. John and I were talking during the break, and uh, you know, with Joshua Mills claiming that uh, he can, uh, that apparently heavenly oil pours forth from his hands, you know, gloriously. We want, we want to. Uh, we would like to uh, take a look at that under controlled conditions. In fact, there's a guy who's a major skeptic who's a magician, but the amazing Randy, James Randy. I, I've heard of this guy. He's got a $1 million um, – he's got a million bucks collecting interest in the bank. Basically, he'll give away a million bucks if anyone can uh, can prove under under controlled circumstances that they're having occultic or spiritual things occurring to them. I, You know what? I would like to uh, – in fact, we'll send an email out to Joshua, challenging him to undergo the scrutiny because there's a million bucks in it for him, right? Oh yeah. Oh, a million bucks. I mean, having having heavenly oil pour forth from your hands at will, you know, or you know, or whenever the glory comes on you, right? I mean, I mean, if it's really from God, wouldn't I mean, wouldn't God want uh, Joshua Mills to get that million bucks? I would think so. Absolutely. For his ministry. Of course. You know, because, I mean, these are tough financial times. I mean, that's that way they don't have to bug other people to support their ministry. All they have to do is take James Randi's money, right? Yeah, because they're trying to get a million. There's a million. Exactly. You know, in fact, um, you know, I'm going to contact James Randi. You know, here's I know he's an atheist. You know, it's kind of weird. Strange bedfellows that I would want to even... 
um, have anything to do with this guy, but these people are charlatans. And uh, let's 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 take them on. You know, maybe we can figure out a way to get them on national television. You know, you know this the saf the the sapphire dust the uh, the the gold dust the uh, the the little diamond gem miracles that they claim they're getting, and now these uh, you know the glory the glory oil pouring forth. I think it's time to for uh, this would be something that James Randi really needs to look into. I, I think so. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to call him. <laughs> <laughs> How sad that I would have to go to an atheist, you know, to help us do our dirty work. I have more in common with James Randi than I do with Patricia King and ugh. anyway. <laughs> okay, well this uh, next section here, fighting for the faith. This is a blast to the past. Okay, Doctor Walter Martin has been dead now. What? It's about twenty years. Wow. Yeah, it, hard to believe. Um, it, I think it's twenty years this year. You know, in fact, I think he died shortly before my son was born. My first born son, who's leaving for the Navy in four days, wow. three days. Wow. What did he start? Dr. Walter Martin started. Christian Research Institute. Institute. Yeah. Yeah, CRI. And uh, you know, Walter Martin was kind of bigger than life. You know, and it, one of the things that, you know, when he tells stories about himself, just as good as anybody else out there. Um, the one thing you got to give him credit for is, is though, though he understands the gospel and he, he, you know, he really, his ministry was built on fighting the cults, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the, uh, the, the mind science cults, you know, Mary Baker, Mary Baker, Eddie, and, you know, groups like that. That was his bread and butter. And what's funny is, is that if you really learn how to defend the Christian faith against Mormons, against Jehovah's Witnesses, you learn how to fight, you know, to defend the Christian faith against any heresy that comes in. Why? Because the same truth that you use, that you proclaim and defend, it works against everything. It really does. And it's always amazing to me that, you know, that God's word is sufficient for fighting off the cults. It really is. Um, and so I started, in fact, I cut my theological teeth doing cult apologetics. And um, and so, I, you know, I owe a debt of gratitude really to Dr. Walter Martin and to his ministry because he really helped kind of steer me in the direction that I that I went as far as discernment is concerned. But um, and so this is a great this is a great little primer. And so as you listen to this uh, baptism of boldness uh, lecture that he gave years and years ago, um, Christianity was in a different state at that time. You know, at that point, I think, um, you know, evangelicalism actually still meant something. You know, fundamentalism still meant something. And if you attended most churches, most churches, you, you didn't have this seeker-sensitive, purpose-driven, emergent stuff really being prevalent. In fact, you know, you, there was some sense in, you know, where, you know, Christianity was much healthier back then. And why, and we can fight the cults. Now the problem is, is that the cult mentality has slipped into the, into the Christian church. And I guarantee you, anybody who's had a steady diet of seeker sensitive churches, they couldn't, they couldn't defend themselves against a Mormon if their life depended on it. You know, in a, in a theological battle to the death, they would die. You know, (laughs) The, the the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons know their Bibles better than the average seeker-sensitive person. Why do I know this? Well, remember the Granger's Granger Communities Reveal Now study. Forty-seven percent of the people of the people who attended Granger Community Church, the premier, one of the six most influential church in America. Forty-seven percent of them don't even believe in salvation by grace, which means they're not saved. You know. So what what's happened is is that we've got churches that are producing theological, doctrinal, biblical neophytes, and believe me when I tell you, if you go toe to toe with a Jehovah's Witness, 
with that type of biblical training, they will eat you for lunch. Okay. In fact, I remember, oh, this is hilarious. A little bit of story time here. When I first, my wife and I spent a little bit of time in one of those bizarre, uh, yeah, Pentecostal type movements. And when we got out of that, God was really gracious in delivering us from that. When we got out of that, we didn't know theologically or biblically, you know, up from down, left from right or anything. And it was shortly after that time that um, uh, there was a gal who was a Jehovah's Witness. She was studying to be, become a Jehovah's Witness who was uh, a customer of the bank that I was working at. And I was riding the bus in you know, into downtown Seattle. My wife and I lived in Seattle at the time. And I saw her reading a copy of The Watchtower. Now, being a good um, – a product of uh, Christian schools – Okay, junior high and high school I spent at, at private Christian schools. I at least knew that, the, that there was something wrong with the Jehovah's Witnesses, but asked me to put my finger on it. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But, uh, of course, I, you know, I, when we got off the bus, I walked up next to her and said, Hey, I see you're reading The Watchtower. She said, Oh, yeah, I'm reading The Watchtower. I'm studying to become a Jehovah's Witness. I said, Wow, you know, um, I don't know a lot about Jehovah's Witnesses, but, you know, I've, I've heard that, they're, that you know, they don't teach the truth about the Bible. She says, Oh, really? Wow, I'd like to hear more. And I'm all, good. Uh, uh, Great. When can we? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's bite off more than you can chew time here. And so, and what she says, well, you know, why, why don't we get together with one of my girlfriends and we'll we'll have lunch, and we'll talk about these things. I said, great. And so, I, as it turned out, our schedules made it so we couldn't get together for like three weeks. And so, I you talk about cramming for a final. So at that point, I, I mean, literally at lunch that, that afternoon, I went to the Seattle, the downtown uh, uh, library in Seattle. And I checked out Jehovah, the Watchtower, and the Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. Okay, I just you know went in. I didn't know that you know I didn't know that that's what I needed. I looked in the card catalog, and they they looked like they you know there was something educated there, and you know, and so checked them out and brought them home and started reading you know reading the books and and go, and and what happened is is that in Seattle, downtown Seattle, this was twenty years ago now. Well, they had a card catalog. So. <laughs> yeah, that was before the you know before. Well, we 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 were using computers in the bank at the time, but they had those little amber screens. You know, you know they weren't color screens at all. And um, gosh, that tells you how long ago that was. Man, I'm feeling old again. Anyway, so, <laughs> stop it, John. Stop it. <laughs> So what happened back then uh, when I would ride the bus into Seattle, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, they have to like practically fill out a time card every week telling, you know, they've got so many hours that they're supposed to be witnessing for Jehovah if they want to have any chance of surviving Armageddon. And so what the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses did in Seattle is they would take up positions on different street corners in downtown Seattle, and they would basically stand on the corner, you know, holding up a copy of the Awake magazine and the Watchtower magazine, and and you, you can talk to them if you want to but they were you know that was considered witnessing they were you know offering those to people if they if they wanted them and so i you know i i my, my first night you know, of course i read like you know two or three chapters in 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 uh the kingdom of the cults and jehovah the watchtower so i i was biblically armed and ready to take them on right oh man so i i went and mixed it up with some of these jw's on the street corner and they ate me for lunch it was bad i i mean I left there with my tail between my legs biblically and, you know, they, they just, ugh, it was terrible. But what I kept doing is, is that, um, I would go home and study some more and try it out on them again, go out, go home, study some more. And then you know, what happened is, is that it was always so one side. They know, they knew more Bible than I did. Okay. And as I began to understand the scriptures and really begin to understand why it is that they thought was not correct, um, and can, and, and support the truth biblically, 
then what happened is we got to the point where we were even and then got to the point where they weren't able to, you know, to really, you know, uh, argue with me. And it got to the point where it was so bad that if they would see me coming, they'd pack up their stuff and leave. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened is, is that when that happened, it was hilarious. I remember the first time that that happened. I, uh, you know, I, they, they saw me coming and it's like, oh, we're out of here. And they packed up and left. And as soon as they left, I went, ran to the corner and I said, I claim this corner in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened is, is that finally was able to have lunch with this Jeho- this gal who was studying to become a Jehovah's witness. And with the help of one of the local, uh, JW outreach ministries at, at, in Seattle and with the help of Walter Martin and his books and his radio ministry was able to have an intelligent conversation with her. And um, it really rattled her. I don't know if she ever became a Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Witness, but it really rattled her because she was a paralegal, and so she understood evidence. And so I kind of laid out the case uh, uh, legally, you know, saying here's here's what they've said, you know, this is this is on the record, and here's what the Bible says, and, and just did good 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 comparative work. And, and don't know, ever know what happened to her. And we ended up moving down to uh, Southern California not too long after that. But um, that's how I cut my teeth theologically was really with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so, um, again, I owe a debt of gratitude to Walter Martin. And this lecture that he gave on the baptism of boldness, every bit is relevant today. But here's the deal. Rather than the cults being outside of the church now, they're inside. Okay? I'm serious. The seeker-sensitive movement is, 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 is an aberration. It is, it is heterodoxy. Okay? It is not orthodoxy. It is, it is hetero—maybe it's heteropraxy. It's, you know— it's not there's something seriously wrong. It's not producing mature disciples. It's got a self-centered gospel like we heard from Tad Grandstaff. You know, God has designs of greatness for you. Where did he learn that from? He learned it from Rick Warren. Okay. And this is in, in all this, the, the emergent church movement and, and neoliberalism that's invaded Christianity and all the major publishing houses. We're to the point where um, if, you know, if we have a prayer of turning this around it means we're going to have to do the hard work of going and making disciples. And that means studying and showing yourself approved, rightly handling the word of God and boldly proclaiming the truth in the face of error, not because we're unloving, but because we are loving. And Walter Martin does a good job in this lecture of addressing that topic. So without any further ado, here's Walter Martin's blast the past the baptism of boldness. And this is what I want to talk on tonight. The baptism of boldness. The baptism of boldness. You know, we're suffering from an endemic disease. This disease in the Christian world is known by its Latin name as non rockabotus <laughs> What it really means is whatever you do, no rock at a boat. I get on national television fairly regularly, uh, I suppose just for controversy's sake. And uh, I get on Christian television, and, and uh, I'm a consultant to CBS, and I've done projects for ABC. And whenever something happens in the world of the cult, they end up on our doorstep in California right away. They want to know what we have to say. Everything from Dungeons and Dragons to Jonestown. They want to know. We have the reputation. Praise the Lord. They're listening. We can funnel all your information, all our information, out there to the media. We've got something they're listening to for the first time in our history. They'll listen. Well... I was on one national television program, which shall remain nameless for public relations purposes. And uh, I go on this program about twice a year because it takes six months to recover from the initial appearance. <laughs> and um, 
I got in there and uh, they put out the red carpet and shook hands with me and sent me to makeup and gave me coffee and crullers and everything else and said, now, we want you to feel perfectly free at liberty, you know, just get out there and do your thing. And I said, thank you. That's what I'm planning on doing. Then they handed me a sheet of paper. The sheet of paper said, try and be positive in everything that you say. And uh, St. Norman was there. Vincent Peale. Whatever you do, don't anybody upset. Be positive. So it went on reading. It said, do not make any remarks about Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, or Christian saints. Well, I was going to leave because I was insulted. Can you imagine inviting a world authority on a subject that spent 34 years getting a reputation in the field to come there and talk about Mary had a little lamb? The only reason they invited me to the program was that I was who I was. That's the only reason I was there. And when I got there, they wouldn't let me talk. That was the idea. So um, I prayed. I said, Lord, give me some tact. That's not my long suit. You know, it's funny. Is, is, I was talking to Rod Rosenblatt about Dr. Martin a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, Dr. Rosenblatt says he misses him terribly. He said that Walter Martin was bigger than life, you know. <laughs> and a little bit of a prima donna, too, apparently. But, um, you know, just you hear these stories and, you know, he tells a, he tells a good story. And, you know, it's self-deprecating humor and at the same time has a <laughs> – you just listen to it and you go, okay, this is interesting. I need some tact so that I can get this message across. How am I going to do it? And I bowed my head and prayed and makeup and went down onto the set. We sat down, and the moderator said, How are you, Dr. Martin? It's so good to see you. Show business type, you know, shook my hand, sit down. So nice. What's going on in the kingdom of the cult? And I said, I'm not so much interested in what's going on in the kingdom of the cult as I am what's going on in the church of Jesus Christ. There's evil right at the altar of God, and we're not doing anything about it. He said, There is? I said, Yes. What you? I said, if I had a few minutes, I'd tell you. He said, go right ahead. That was his first mistake. His second mistake wasn't shooting me or committing suicide two minutes later. And I said, well, I'll tell you what it is. I said, do you know that there are people today screeching for freedom of religion in the United States on our airwaves? Christian programs, television and radio and everything else. They want freedom. They're out with petitions against Madeleine Murray O'Hare and to stop all these things encroaching upon our religious freedom. And they will deny you your rights under the Constitution of the United States to speak on the airwaves owned by the American people. I said, do you know that? He said, no. I said, yes. They hand you pieces of paper that says, don't mention Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Christian science. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, he he has a good way. He one of the things he was really good at teaching is you know is if you're going to make an argument, get some common ground using somebody else's stuff, and then and then you you pounce on him. And so you know again that was masterfully done. I was very tactful. I thought it was very tactful. He almost died. The man almost had a coronary right in the set. 
And he, and he said, well, is, that, is that terrible? And I said, awful. I said, yes. And I said, if you give me 30 seconds, I'll show you why. He said, go, go right ahead. I said, it's the day of Pentecost. They're in the upper room. The Holy Spirit has come upon the church. Power such as the world has never seen flows to fishermen and tax collectors. And from there, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, shaking kingdoms, creating civilizations. God is honoring his promise to Abraham. In thee will I bless all the kingdoms of the earth. Power, power, power. And I said, Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon. 3,000 people get saved right in the spot. Billy Graham never got 3,000 people saved in one meeting in his life. With television, radio, and millions of dollars to spend, he couldn't do it. One fisherman filled with the Holy Spirit got out in the street without even a megaphone, and 3,000 people trampled on each other to get to Calvary. That's power, such as the world has never seen before. And I said, then Peter got them all in the upper room. He said, now we're going to go out. We're going to carry this message to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the world is going to know about Jesus Christ. However, <laughs> when you run into the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the Herodians, don't say anything negative. <laughs> the audience roared. And he laughed. He said, I think you made your point. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's it's as relevant today as when he gave it, because why political correctness has taken over the church. He calls it non-rockabotus. That's his Latin phrase. That he, and it's as it that non-rockabotus is as alive today as ever before. You know, I get emails from people saying, why are you dividing the body of Christ? You're being critical. I'm not the one dividing the body of Christ. I'm pointing out the fact that other people are dividing the body of Christ by teaching heresy. By teaching that which should not be taught because it's not biblical. I'm the one dividing the body of Christ? Oh, no, 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 no. Anyway. Well, Chris, I think Christian unity is more important than theology. It is? <laughs> <laughs> How can we have Christian unity without theology? That's the point. If you're following the wrong thing. Right. Oh, exactly. Do we have – do we truly have Christian unity without Christian theology? No. We don't. If we're going to unite, we don't unite just for the sake of unity. Unity is not something to unite about. You unite over something. We unite in Christ. We unite in the great doctrines of the Christian faith. You know, the substitutionary atonement, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, sola deo gloria. We can unite on these, right? No. Okay. But today's concept of unity basically has us uniting for the sake of unity. And to feel good. Yeah, and to feel good. So my question is, what do I have in common with a Mormon that I would unite with him? Nothing. What would I unite? How can I unite with somebody who's emergent and who denies the substitutionary atonement? They've got their own Bible now. Denies sola scriptura. You understand what I'm saying? How can I unite with them? Unite with them to do what? Feed the poor? You've got to be kidding me. I've been called as a Christian to go and make disciples, not to feed the poor. Although feeding the poor is an important act of mercy that we do because of the mercy that Christ has shown us. But I'm not going to do that with one of them. I'll do it with somebody else who understands that they're forgiven in Christ. Well, we continue. Non-rock a boat us, but stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. (laughs) 
Well, I was on another program. How, I don't know. I get on this one about twice a year also. And the host, a man and a woman who shall remain nameless, were asking me questions. I, I think this is one of the old TBN people. Who was there before Paul and Jan Croucher? Were, have they always been there? I don't know. You know I, hard to say. I mean, they're kind of getting up there in age. And boy, have you seen Jan Crouch lately? Her hair is like platinum pink, purplish thing going. And she wears petticoats. That's the most, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. <sighs> and the lady got a little upset with me. And she said, Dr. Martin, she said, Nobody can gainsay the work that you've done in the world of the cults. She said, we just praise and thank the Lord for that. Whenever I hear something like that, I know what's coming next. I'm going to get shot. And she said, however, I do have a constructive criticism to make. I said, what is it? She said, you don't show enough love. She said, it, it, you, you've got to really love these people. Now, listen to this answer. Because... His, what he's going to basically say is what I believe, what the Bible teaches regarding love. This is manly love that, uh, that Dr. Martin is going to defend here. Okay, Anybody who can say that you don't love, we don't love somebody by telling them the truth, they don't understand what love is. Okay, Listen to Walter Martin's answer. And I said, I have been 34 years doing your job and you are telling me I don't love them? What have you done? Oh, uh, well, um, now, uh, now, uh, she said, I, I, I don't want to get into a controversy. I said, you're in one, lady. <laughs> you're in one right now. This is my ballpark and my game, played by my rules, and here it is, straight out. I love Mormons. I love Jehovah's Witnesses. I love the people in the cults. I gave my life. I'm giving my life now till the day I go home to glory. Till cultism goes home to its home in hell and I go home to mine in heaven. I love them. I care. I'm fighting for their lives, for their souls. So are you. You know what I'm talking about. That's love. Love isn't this sticky, gooey, syrupy garbage that flows out where people are forever saying... With this plastic, evangelical, and charismatic smile... Plastered on the face, you know, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Jesus loves you. We're watching you get born again. That's right. Jesus loves you. Butter wouldn't melt in their mouth. Today's version is Jesus loves you and he has a purpose for your life and he wants you to have greatness. <sighs> in the name of God, people are dying in their sins. You've got to tell them more than Jesus loves them. You've got to tell them Jesus is going to judge them. If they're not going to receive love, they're going to receive justice. The old Nazarene preacher said something to me one time. I never forgot the beginning of my ministry. He said, Wall, I love to hear you preach. He said, because you crack all the nuts everybody runs away from. He said, don't ever give up doing it. Just go out there and do it. He said, and remember something, son. He said, when you get out there, give them Jesus and the gospel of grace and love. But if they're not going to buy it, be sure you leave them with Moses. <laughs> I would add I would I would change this a little bit here. As a Lutheran, we have we understand law and gospel. Start with Moses and then give him Christ. And then if they don't if they don't want Christ, then leave him with Moses. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So the purpose of the law is to show us our sin. I like it I like the point, but this I would just 
How dare I correct Walter Martin, right? Yeah, we continue. I never forgot that advice. He was telling the truth. You don't want grace? Okay, let me introduce you to some law. You're not going to be saved by grace. You'll be judged by law. And the one thing I don't want when I stand in the presence of God is to be judged on the basis of law. I want mercy. I don't know about you. All I can get. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, do I need a lot of it. Oh. Well, this lady said, well, I don't want to get into a discussion. I said, look, give me 30 seconds. That's a famous line. <laughs> give me 30 seconds, and I'll prove it to you. She said, go ahead. I said, I want you to listen to the voice of incarnate love. Who was the most loving person that ever lived? She said, why, Jesus. I said, that's right. I said, Jesus was incarnate love, wasn't he? Love in human flesh, right? Right. I said, good, listen to it. You generation of slimy snakes. Who warns you to flee from the damnation of hell? Whitewashed sepulchers on the outside filled with rotting corpses. You children of the devil, the lusts of your father, you will do. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth. I am from above. You are from beneath. You will seek me, but you will not find me. You will die in your sins, for where I am going, you cannot come. There was dead silence in that studio. And then this lady said to me, I kid you not, couldn't you smile a little bit? <laughs> You know, what's really funny is I remember this. I had a job working for a health care registry, and the owner was a retired Southern Baptist minister, and we actually had a daily Bible study that we did at at, uh, at work. And I, after I had worked for the company a few months, they actually made me the company chaplain. And so I had the opportunity for four years to do a daily Bible study. And when we got to this passage of Scripture, one of the years that we got to it, because we actually did the, we went through the Bible a few times while we were, di- while we were there, um, there was a there was a gal that was working with us who was kind of that sappy evangelical t- type, and I read that passage of scripture the way Walter Martin read it. That woman said, "How could you read that so unlovingly?" <laughs> she was really upset. You sound angry. I said, "Do you think Jesus wasn't angry when he said this? You think he?" Did? And, and it really rocked her. It, it really upset her that you know. But see, the thing is, is that people think that Jesus is loving and meek and mild, and that he's just some kind of a Jewish boy scout who is helping little old ladies cross the Sea of Galilee. No, 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 no. Jesus was bold in your face. He was angry at times. And you know, when he was taking on the Pharisees and their false religion that they could save themselves by their law keeping, okay, he called them names. He said, he said, you brood of vipers, you know, that, how did he translate your, your mothers are snakes, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, Jesus was not meek and mild. He was wild at times and, and really bold and in your face. And if you if you read the scriptures that way, it really rattles some people because their perception of Jesus is that, you know, he, he's like the Stay Puft Marshmallow guy with a beard, you know, or that maybe Jesus is really effeminate. He's kind of metrosexual and is really good at accessorizing, you know, but that's not the Jesus of the Bible. So and Walt's got it right. And let's continue with his story. <laughs> Her husband almost died. And I said, sure, you generation of slimy snakes, who warns you to flee? He said, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) 
He said, you made your point. It's all over. You're right. He said, keep quiet. In the nicest way to her, he could possibly say, shut up. No. And she didn't say anything else. Now, all of this is preamble. What is past is prologue. If we're going to deal with our brothers and sisters who have been asleep for so long that they make Rip Van Winkle look like kindergarten, the church has been asleep while the kingdom of the cults has grown to 34 million people in the United States and on our mission fields. And I would add to that, the church has been asleep while the emergent church movement, while the seeker-sensitive way of doing church has come in and take over and is literally literally taken away the cross has taken away christ has taken away really christian sound christian doctrine and and they've rebelled against the church from within it's not just the kingdom of the cults anymore the kingdom of the cults is now inside of the church it's not outside of our walls it's inside and that's the difference between what happened what was happening with walter martin 20 30 years ago as compared to what's happening now they outwork us they outgive us they out sacrifice us the Watchtower produces more literature in six months than all the presses and the denominations can do in a year. The Mormons are pushing forward at a rate where they will, by the year 2000, if Christ tarries, have in this country 20 million Mormons. 20 million. They double every 10 years. You're going to have 20 million Mormons and 100,000 missionaries. Computerized with every bit of technology that they can get their hands on. They've got the money to get it. Do you think it's hard now? It's going to be incredible later on. That is why we have to mobilize our resources, our technology. We can't afford the luxury of doing our own thing anymore. Either we hang together and we get the job done, or they're going to hang us separately. You better believe it. And where one of our groups needs money, then we've got to dig into a corporate pot. And if there's a good project, we've got to back it. Nobody has to worry about who gets the credit. Jesus is going to get the credit. We have been so busy fighting among ourselves. We're so busy arguing about whether... Christ is going to come before the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation, which is pure tribulation anyhow. <laughs> Pre-millennial, amillennial, post-millennial, sprinkle them, pour them, immerse them, give them wine, grape juice, Coca-Cola at the communion service. Leavened bread, unleavened bread, bishops, ruling elders, deacons, no bishops, no ruling elders, deacons, bishops, back, forth, in, out, up, down, the whole world going to hell on the doorstep while you're fighting about nothing. I don't think I can add to that. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> we got people going to hell in our churches, and we're doing nothing. They just woke up in Dallas to the fact that Mormons were there. It took Dr. Quidwell and a whole bunch of others all this time to realize that the Mormon church was chewing them alive. All of a sudden, the Mormons are here. Surprise! You know that last week, um, Focus on the Family actually put up an article I wanted at Citizen Link praising uh, Glenn Beck and his Christianity. And Glenn Beck's a Mormon. 
they they end up getting so many you know so many pieces of email and letters from people complaining about it, they actually pulled the interview but you know you know glenn beck you know he's a great conservative uh not christian but conservative pundit you know on the on the radio and television but he's not a christian he's a mormon glenn beck's going to hell what did joel say about about oh yeah joel osteen yeah well they believe in jesus too you know and I don't want to be judgmental, you know. <clears throat> yeah, Joel Osteen basically, uh, you know, said that Mormons believe in Jesus. He he doesn't have a he doesn't understand that his Bible at all. Okay, so here's the deal: uh, Glenn Beck is, at this point, unless he repents of his Mormonism, unless God opens his eyes, and folks, that means you and me, people like us, need to be contacting Glenn Beck, engaging Glenn Beck in conversations, showing him the scriptures, be able to defend our faith biblically rationally and share the truth with him so that he doesn't go to hell. When those Mormons come to your doorstep and they would knock on your door, you should be inviting them in. And when they leave, they should be going, Oh my goodness, what just happened to me? Why? Because they should, you should be able to run circles around them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth. That's what we're called to. We're soldiers in the army of God. We continue. They've been here all the time. Jude verse 3 is my life verse. I like it because it incorporates the two basic biblical principles. When I wrote to you, brothers, concerning the common salvation, it was necessary for me to urge you put up a good fight for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty towards God in the pulling down of strongholds. It does not say marching around them and blowing a trumpet. It says, breach the walls, tear them down. Every idea, every thought that exalts itself against the throne of God, we are at war. And everyone that considers himself a soldier of the cross had better start being one. Amen. And let me, we have a concept here in the United States of the National Guard of the citizen soldier, okay? That the, these are people who are in the military. They are citizen soldiers, and you know, which means that at a moment's notice, they can be called up for active duty, even though they might have a job working for a corporation in a cubicle somewhere. Okay, let's. We need to recapture the concept of layman soldiers within the Christian church, folks. It's not. It's not the pastors who are supposed to be out there as the only ones out there on the battle line. If you are a Christian and you trust Christ as your Savior, you know that you are a sinner, and you live the life of repentance and trust in the forgiveness of sins offered to you in Jesus Christ, you are a layman soldier if you're not a pastor. Okay? So this concept of the National Guard, I think it works well. Whether you like it or not, you are a soldier in in the Army. It's time for you to to, uh, learn how to use the weapons of our warfare it's time for you to learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit and how to defend yourself against the flaming darts of the enemy using the shield of faith. You are a layman soldier. You are part of the body of Christ, and as such, you are a soldier in the army. We are at war, not with other people, but with the devil. We continue. If you're a soldier, you do not get yourself encumbered, says Paul, with the things of earth. You want to please him who has called you to be a soldier. 
You say, well, you seem pretty uptight on this, Dr. Martin. I am. Because the non rockabotist mentality, the stupid lawyer mentality, the slimy businessman's mentality is selling out the defense of the gospel so that today people do not have reasons for their faith anymore. Yeah, but they've done the seven-day sex challenge, and yeah, never mind. They use John 3, 16, 5, 24, 6, 47, Acts 16, 31, a host of salvation and sanctification texts. They talk about their experience with the Lord Jesus and how wonderful it is for you to get saved, and then somebody makes a fatal mistake. They're asked to answer a question. Yep. And they can't. And that's our business. The business of giving people reasons. The business of giving people reasons for the hope that lies within them. We continue. Ron Carlson is one of my best students. I love him because of all my students. He has done the thing that I wanted to see done that I had tried to do. He doesn't really care what any of them think. He only cares that you get out there and tell them like it is. And that's why God's blessing his ministry. And that's why he'll bless all of us if we'll tell it like it is. Who cares what the Masons, the Shriners, the Elks, the Oddfellows, the Kiwanis, the Rotary, and everybody else thinks and his Uncle Harry thinks about what we're doing. The only person that matters in what we are doing is what Jesus Christ thinks. Amen. And if you please everybody else and you don't please him, let me tell you something, baby. You're in trouble. Because the name of the game is Jesus, not the world in which we find ourselves. The world is passing away, and all the lusts that are in it, but whoever will do the will of God will abide into all eternity. You and I are committed to the proclamation of the common salvation and the defense of the faith, once for all delivered unto the saints. Notice, he's correct here. He, he's not basically saying that this is something that just falls under the, a particular set of elite people, okay? This comes back to the layman soldier concept, okay? All of us as Christians have been called to know what the, what the, as disciples, to know what the Christian faith is and to be able to give a reason for the hope that lies within us, an apologetic, a, you know, basically to defend Christianity, to go and proclaim the gospel. And, and in order to do so, we've got to know our Bible and we have to know what it is, how to defend the Christian faith. Everybody hearing this podcast, this is our job. It's not somebody else's job. It's yours. It's mine. It's not your pastors. And it's not your pastors. This is your job. Okay? Your pastor has been ga- called to do the public preaching of God's word. You, though, on every you know, Sunday morning, we gather together to hear God's word, to receive forgiveness of sins, to receive the sacraments, and basically, you know, as Christians, rest in the gifts that God is giving us every Sunday morning. But as soon as we leave the doors of the church, we are out in the mission field. We are out in the battle. And it's time for us to see it as that. It is a battle and it's a war. And I'm telling you right now, without citizen soldiers, without layman soldiers involved, we're getting we're getting our butts kicked. We're losing. We do not need Charles Russell, Mary Baker Eddy, Ron Hubbard, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young. The faith was once for all delivered to the saints almost 2,000 years ago. All we have ever needed, all we will ever need is that faith and Jesus Christ.
the apostle in 2 Timothy doesn't hesitate to talk about the things that are bothering him. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Now the King James says, in season or out of season, that's bad. The Greek doesn't say that. The Greek says, preach the word whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Do you know there are Christians running around today waiting for a convenient moment that never comes? And the reason why it never comes is because God doesn't care about convenience. God cares about obedience. So you preach it, convenient or inconvenient. The world crucified Jesus Christ and beheaded John the Baptist. Christ was God in human flesh and John the Baptist was the greatest of the prophets. John couldn't please the world by abstinence and Jesus couldn't please it by participation. Now what makes you think you're going to make it? <laughs> you're not. So quit. Quit trying. And get back to the idea of preaching the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not put up with sound teaching, but they shall gather to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and the truth of God will be turned into mythology. And that's today. Right now. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. But you watch in everything. Endure afflictions. You know what that means? That means take it on the chin for as long as it's necessary in order to accomplish the job. I became friends a few years ago with Rocky Marciano, the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. I boxed when I was in school. <clears throat> I came from a rather rough neighborhood in Brooklyn. In my neighborhood, there were two kinds of people, the quick and the dead. <laughs> if you weren't quick, you were dead. No doubt about that. I'm a survivor. Praise God. So we had a lot in common to talk about. He came from the same kind of neighborhood in Brockton. I met him in an airport. We struck up a conversation. We became friends. I witnessed to him. We talked a lot. One night at 3 o'clock in the morning, eating a spaghetti dinner in Miami. I was his house guest for the weekend. We were chatting about some of the problems of boxing. And I said, you know, one of the things that always bothered me about you, Rock, I never figure it out. I watched all the fights, watched everybody, all the great fights of the centuries. I could see. I said, I, I never could understand. How is it that you let yourself get hit so many times? You got hit more times than any heavyweight champion in history. It looked like you were begging for it. And he smiled. He said, good question. Nobody ever asked me that question before. He said, I'm going to give you the answer. Stand up. I said, what? He said, stand up and square off with me. I said, crazy I might be, stupid I'm not. No thanks. He said, oh, no, no. I said, we're not going to do anything. Just square off. I said, all right. So we squared off. And he said, now, put out a left jab. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, don't hit me. Just put it out. I said, all right. I put my arm out, touched his chin. He said, now watch. He was in his cover-up style of boxing, famous for it, peekaboo style. And he shot his left out at me as hard as he could. If he had hit me with that, I'd have gone through the wall. But because my reach was five inches longer than his, his powerful punch just arced underneath my arm. 
couldn't even touch me. If I was fighting a guy like you, well, he said, and you could hit anywhere near as hard as I could, you would annihilate me. I would never get in close enough to hit you. He said, I learned that. And he said, I developed the style. Cover up. Peekaboo. He said, I took the blows on my arms and my shoulders and sometimes on my face. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight to one. Because I knew if I could get in close enough, I could take you out with one shot. And he could. The only heavyweight champion in history take you out with either hand once. All he needed was the one shot. I said, praise the Lord. He says, what are you praising the Lord for? Three o'clock in the morning. I said, you gave me a fabulous sermon illustration. He said, I did. I said, I'm going to make that illustration famous. He said, what is it? I said, you accepted the occupational hazard of getting hit in order that you might be a champion. You and I have to accept the occupational habit, the occupational difficulty, all of the occupational problems that come with the Christian witness. And it is for us an occupational hazard. Get in close with the Word of God, whatever it takes. No matter how much punishment you have to endure or whatever they've got to say about you. Get in there close till you get the one clean shot that'll take anybody out because it's God's shot and God's gospel. I was right here. I was right here at the University of Utah a couple of years ago, lecturing. 70% Mormon, and I didn't know what to expect <clears throat> outside of green wood piled up outside. It was an impromptu meeting. I lectured in a sociology course. It helps to be a full professor because then they can't keep you out of the university level. So they let me lecture in a sociology religion course, and then they gave me an open question and answer impromptu meeting. And they went after me, the Mormons, with everything they could throw. And I was answering the questions and fielding the questions. One Mormon kid got so mad at me, he literally could not contain himself another moment, and he jumped up, he said, you bastard. You could hear a pin drop in that auditorium. And I looked at him and I said, why are you mad at me? Did I pull your security blanket, Linus? <laughs> you know, his confidence and in-your-faceness is so refreshing to hear compared to the mealy-mouthed castrati of today's American Christianity. It's just, we need more Walter Martins. He says, I'm not mad at you. I said, you don't call him a bastard unless you're mad at him, and you're mad at me. And I said, but I'm not mad at you. I love you for Jesus Christ's sake. Have I then become your enemy because I have told you the truth? And the audience broke out in spontaneous applause. Spontaneous applause. I had won the audience because I didn't care what kind of punch I had to take to get it. Cursing, anger, frustration, hatred, bitterness, persecution are all part of the game.
And after you've been through it all, count yourself an unprofitable servant because you have done only those things that were required of you. Absolutely. Question, have you, uh, have you shared the gospel to the point of being ostracized, persecuted, named, have people call you all kinds of foul names? Are you bold with the scriptures? Are you bold with the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins, one in Jesus Christ, to the point where people don't want to spend time with you because they think you're a nut? It all goes with the territory. Remember, you're a soldier. You are a layman, citizen soldier in the army of Christ. Getting shot at is all part of the game. And just damn the occupational hazard. Full speed ahead and give them the message. It's still the word of God. It can still turn the world upside down. Paul believed this implicitly. He said, watch in everything. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my race. I kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but to all those that love his appearing. Paul was absorbed with the idea of being a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb. He was so absorbed that as he got to Philippians, when he was getting ready to die, he said, Even as it is proper for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. What is missing today is the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. It is sanctifying the Lord God in your hearts and being ready, ready, ready always to give to everyone that asks of you an answer, to every man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you with humility and with reverence. If we can do it, we'll get the same effects the apostles got. We'll get the same effects the church fathers got the great apologist of the first five centuries. But we've got to do it. We can't pass the buck anywhere else. In the words of that immortal Baptist theologian, Harry Truman, the buck stops here. <laughs> Verse 14 of Philippians 1. Many of the brothers in the Lord grew confident because of my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I did something a couple of years ago that hadn't been done before. I came to Salt Lake City and I invited the professors at Brigham Young University and the leaders of the Mormon Church to attend some meetings downtown at the First Baptist Church where I would answer any and all questions on Mormonism that they wanted to ask and I was coming not as a Baptist minister, but as a full professor of comparative religions with all the necessary credentials, and therefore I wanted to give them the first chance. You couldn't get near that church for four blocks. It was jammed. There were tape recorders hanging from the ceilings and out of the floors. Mormon missionaries were there. 
two apostles were there. It was a madhouse of people there. I was going to answer questions. I lectured, and then I answered questions. No apostle stood up. No bishop stood up. The missionaries stood up. They led the lambs to the slaughter. And they sat there on their hands while the kids got massacred in love. <laughs> you got to throw that in. It's hilarious. In love. Two Mormon missionaries came up to me afterwards with a guy that were trying to convert. And they shook hands with me. And they said, we enjoyed your presentation. It was honest. And it was straight out. You know, if the church is ever to be destroyed, it will be destroyed by what you are doing. What you are doing. What you are doing. What we are doing. You took our own material. How can we say anything against our own material? When God destroyed Goliath of God, he didn't do it with the stones. He cut off his head with his own sword. The twitching corpse of Mormon theology will lie there one day because its head was cut off from its own archives and from the people who spent their time investing their time and their energies and their work to make it happen. Because it will happen in God's own dear providence. The next week, those two missionaries came forward in that first Baptist church and were born again. <clears throat> there is no stopping the power of God. And something happened after that, I was told by Christians all over Salt Lake City. After a week of meetings, eyeballing them, and challenging them to come out, come out, wherever you are. And they didn't. A lot of Christians in the community fulfilled Philippians chapter 1. Waxing confident, they went out and started witnessing as they had never done before. And it shook loose our Mormon friends. Let me tell you that. They knew about it. Now, one plants, others water. But God gives the increase. And he that plants and he that waters is nothing. But God who gives the increase is everything. I can do what some of you can't do. I'm here for that purpose. You can do things I can't do. You're here for that purpose. We are the fingers, the hands, the eyes, the nose, the mouth of Christ. The body. We can't afford the luxury of despising the toe, the finger, the nose, or the ear because it's not getting the attention that the other parts of the body are. We should be standing behind each other wherever and whenever the chips are down and not caring what anybody has to say. It's my brother, it's my sister, we're with them. That's what the scripture tells us to do. Put on the whole armor of God and stand against the methods of the devil. Resist him, the scripture says. And he will flee from you. But you've got to resist. You've got to stand up. You've got to be counted. 
Now, Paul again tells us, verse 20 of Philippians 1, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but, now notice this, with all boldness, I like this, as always, you like that? He said, all boldness as a perpetual way of life. Always. In other words, boldness doesn't mean what we think it means today. Boldness isn't intellectual or physical arrogance. Boldness isn't snobbery or I know something you don't know, you poor jerk. You know, some Christians talk that way to people in the cult. They don't use exactly those words, but by the time they get finished with them, the people are humiliated. And they don't even want to talk anymore. They're so hurt. We forget sometimes that they're not enemies. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual rulers of the darkness of this age, against wickedness enthroned in the heavenlies. That's the war. That's the battle. Not the people. They're just pawns in the chess game of satanic conception. You know, I can't close on a better note than this. It's a great hymn of the church. But somehow or other, we don't sing anymore. Onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward then, ye people. Loud your anthems raise. See those banners go. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Onward then, ye people, loud those anthems raise. Gates of hell will never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, and that cannot fail. A noble army, men and boys, the matron and the maid, around the Savior's feet they stand in robes of light arrayed. They face the tyrant's brandished steel and the lion's gory mane. They face the fires of a thousand deaths. Who follows in their train? Ron Carlson is one of my oh. best students. <laughs> Hit the wrong button. Let me end with this. Ephesians chapter 6. Starting at verse 10. Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert 
with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Folks, in case you didn't know, you are already a citizen soldier, a layman soldier. If you're not a pastor, you are a soldier in the army of Christ. It's time to fight. Days are dark. The days are evil. It's time for us to do our duty and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and defend it against the heresy, against the false doctrine, against the false practice, and the things that are undermining, obscuring, and hiding Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins. The world is literally going to hell all around us. And I, for one, don't want the blood of the world on my hands. Because Christ's blood died for their sins. We are to boldly proclaim Christ and him crucified and bring the gospel forward so that through that gospel, God may transform people, give them faith, forgive them of their sins, give them new life, transform them from being a goat into a sheep, transform them from being dead to alive, transform them from being a child of the devil to being adopted children of the one true father, God what we're called to do so 2009 should be a fun year we're not going to just curse the darkness we're going to help equip you and give you reasons and give you the ability to defend to rationally defend biblically defend your christian faith and challenge you to boldly proclaim the gospel to your neighbors to your loved ones to your family to your enemies always whether it's convenient or inconvenient as Walt said. Good stuff. All right. We're at the end of our program. And if you would like to email me regarding anything that you've heard today at Fighting for the Faith, you can do so at talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. And go to piratechristianradio.com and get a copy of Christianity and Liberalism. That's our book of the month. You need to read it. It's going to help you have biblical answers against the emergent church. Until next time, God bless.